0: And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church.
1: Amen. Let's ask the Lord to touch the word to our heart tonight. Lord, I love you. Thank you so much for allowing us to be here. What a tremendous privilege that we have been given, Lord. It's another opportunity not only to be together with some of the greatest people in the world, But, oh, God, it is an opportunity to let your spirit, by way of your word, just touch our heart. Let it shape us, mold us, let it help us and encourage and strengthen us now. In the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. And uh, I'm going to ask you, if you will, to join me in 1 Chronicles 4. And uh, we're going to be reading verse 9 and 10. Um, and I'm going to continue this evening. We've been talking for a few Wednesday nights about, um, about prayer and what happens when we pray, when God's people pray. I, I am encouraged by the fact that uh, when I kneel in prayer, that I'm not just speaking into the cushion of a chair. Amen. <laughs> I, I'm not just speaking to the air, to the winds that will just drive and forces that will uh, drive those words away. But I'm thankful that God listens when his people pray. And uh, I have um, often seen this scenario play out, and I'm sure at some point was guilty, even as a parent myself, where a child is just tapping, tapping mama, mama, daddy, daddy, daddy. And it seems as though we have the ability to get tone deaf in certain areas. But I'm thankful that the Lord is not like that. Aren't you? And that I don't ever have to stand and feel as though I am just um, speaking to the wind and to a, to a father who doesn't care. Just a few days ago while I was following my uh, daily Bible reading plan for the year, I came across a part of my reading that day was First Chronicles 4, 9, and 10 and uh, was reminded of this incredible story. And uh, so from that, I want to just use as a catalyst this evening and, and uh, continue to talk about uh, prayer and how, and how it affects not only our world, but how it affects the world around us. As I was reading First Chronicles 4, uh, in this chapter, almost hidden within the obscure shadows of a lot of genealogies, we are introduced to a man by the name of Jabez. And uh, so let's, let's read verses 9 and 10. The Bible says, And Jabez was more honorable than his brethren. And his mother called his name Jabez because I bear him with sorrow. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed and enlarge my coast, And that thine hand might be with me, that thou wouldest keep me from evil, that it may not grieve me. And then this last line, the Bible says, and God granted him that which he requested. Now, if you are familiar with not just verses 9 and 10, but if you're familiar with the verses that precede this, the verses that follow this, you understand that you're just reading along and uh, you're reading through all these genealogies and I'm, I'm not being disrespectful here but I am just going to be blatantly honest uh, that when you're reading through all those names that you can't even pronounce and uh, thank the Lord for audio Bible and things of that nature that you <laughs> you can read along So, oh that's how you say that okay now now I am with you and I felt a spirit of honesty just kind of flush in this house, and thank you. And so we are, you're just reading along through these genealogies of, of families, and, and then just out of nowhere. Here is verse 9 and 10, and then boom. It's, it's, it's like the clouds open, share two verses, an incredible story, close back, right back to genealogies. Jabez, one of the many, uh, one of many of the lesser known characters of the Bible, his name literally most literally flashes across the screen of time for just one brief moment and then he's gone but what an incredibly powerful story it seems as just it seems as though just as fast as he's pulled from the shadows that he's just kind of tucked back away again so we know very very little about him but in this single prayer uh, this prayer has challenged the hearts of countless men and women through the years. And um, I say that in great confidence, even of generations gone by. As a matter of fact, um, just a few years ago, or it seemed like a few years ago when I actually looked today, it's a little bit longer than I remembered. Uh, you may have remembered or even purchased the book, The, the Prayer of Jabez. And uh, this was written back in 2000, believe it or not. And it became an international bestseller, topping New, York's, uh, New York Times bestselling list and sold more than 9 million copies. It's a small book, not, not difficult to read at all. If you don't own it, I would certainly suggest uh, it would be a worth, worthwhile investment. I can guarantee you that. Um, here, this man, Jabez, and, and I mention that only to say that when the book was written, uh, that many people who had perhaps never heard of Jabez uh, became uh, overnight introduced to him Uh, just because of the popularity of that book. And so here's a man who joins a long list of men and women in the Bible that we really don't know a whole lot about. There are other characters in the Scripture that uh, their descriptions are so vivid that we we almost feel like we could picture them when we're reading them. We uh, we read about David, great descriptions about uh, David, his age, and his brothers, and just various people throughout the Scripture that we feel like we can kind of picture them somewhat. In, then there are other people in Scripture that we, we know almost nothing about, yet they have this honorable mention. John said if everything were written that could be written, that the world could not contain the book. So we, when we think about these 66 books that we have, uh, this is very, very vital and important. And so when someone is pulled to the front of the stage for a moment, no matter how brief that moment may be, we need to pause. And give consideration as to why. Why was there a mention? So, even though we know little about Jabez, what we do know about him is very, very significant. There are two things that are made clear through Scripture, and that is that he was a man of honor and God answered his prayer. In this very, very concise prayer, he asked God for four things he asked God's blessings. He asked God to enlarge his border or enlarge his coast. He asked God's hand to be with him, or another way of putting that, he asked God's hand to guide him through life. And then finally, number four, he asked the Lord to keep him from evil. It seems obvious to me that this was not a prayer of obligation, and uh, I'm, I'm confident, especially just Listening to it again, reading it again, uh, it's it's not a prayer of obligation. It's not as though Jabez just kind of stomps into his prayer closet and says, "Well, okay, let me get this out of the way." I th- you just really kind of feel a heartfelt sense, even when you're reading, uh, even when you're reading this prayer. I believe that uh, it was not a prayer. I, I don't think prayed without great passion. Uh, I think he was really earnest and sincere. It was very, very brief, but I think that what we cannot afford to forget is that the Scripture says, of the Word, it's a discerner of the thought and the intent of our heart. I know that we often think that sometimes uh, this prayer, if you read this prayer or maybe even others, uh, seems uh, incredibly abbreviated. And uh, it would seem like, because it is so short, it would almost be futile, uh, uh, especially when you think of what Jabez is asking for. I mean, it's a prayer this long, but it's huge. <laughs> He's not asking the Lord just, bless me, Jesus. I mean, it's a very brief prayer. I don't want to leave the wrong impression by, about what I'm about to, with what I'm about to say, but <clears throat> I have been through the years challenged by great men and women uh, of prayer. Not only, not only people that I have read about, read their, about their lives uh, and days gone uh, by, but also uh, people that I've had the privilege to meet that they were just, I suppose, to use a little bit of church vernacular, they were are what we would refer to as prayer warriors, people that uh, maybe perhaps spent spend uh, a few hours a day in prayer. Uh, I don't want to demean by any stretch of the imagination lengthy prayers. I, I don't want to demean that at all, uh, but... If we are considering this prayer against that, this would not be considered, even remotely considered, a lengthy prayer. Um, A few weeks ago, I mentioned um, Elijah praying on Mount Carmel. And I, I brought to the surface that day or brought to the table that day that Elijah's prayer, that particular prayer on Mount Carmel, facing the prophets of Baal, That also, while it's longer than the prayer of Jabez, in all reality, it's not a lengthy prayer either. However, we do know more about Elijah than we know about other Bible characters. And I think that we feel safe in the assumption that even though the prayer of of Elijah on Mount Carmel was brief, I feel confident that that prayer was a prayer that was supported by prayers that had been offered both before and after. And so I think the character of Elijah at large, the character of Elijah speaks for the brevity of the prayer on Mount Carmel. And uh, the prayer of Jabez is short, but it is filled with, I I think, tremendous discernment. I I think the prayer of Jabez is filled with uh, not only discernment about where he is in his life, but also where he desires to be. And so I, I wanna be... Uh, I want to be challenged by that. And so Jabez begins by asking, and I want to just talk about these four things uh, if you're keeping track. Uh, Jabez begins by first saying, I want the Lord to bless me. And uh, while we're obviously not <clears throat> present to hear uh, the, in, the inflections of his voice, we're just reading this, and uh, we're, we're not there to, to really feel or hear the passion in his voice, it doesn't appear to me that, uh, that Jabez is praying some fretful prayer. Um, certainly if you compare that to other scriptural settings or if you compare that to other prayers that, <clears throat> that we can find in scripture. For instance to mention just one in the book of Genesis 32 and 26 when we find Jacob and the angel in a wrestling match I mean, as you begin to read this story, I just pulled the final scripture out of this story, but as you begin to read the story, there's a building up. There, there, there is a, there's an, a moment, an apex. And, and so he said, let me go for the daybreak. The angel says, let me go for the daybreak. And Jacob's response is, I will not. I will not let thee go except thou bless me. Amen. So essentially, they're asking Jabez and Jacob are asking the Lord for the same thing, but I believe it's under two completely different settings. Is that fair enough to say? Jabez is praying a prayer uh, not of obligation, I think of great passion, discernment, uh, intuition, with, a, with a, one eye on where he stands today, another eye on where he desires to be. And so, if you consider the essence of each prayer, their request is the same. Jacob asked to be blessed. Jabez asked to be blessed. And when we use the word blessed or blessings, I'm not convinced that Jabez was asking the Lord to give him some stuff. <laughs> give me some things so I can pray and get some more things. I don't think that the word blessed is in, in that connotation that, that he's just saying I... I just want you to bedazzle me with some things. But I believe that Jabez was asking for God to place upon his life divine favor. You may think I'm splitting hairs tonight, but I really believe in the practice of asking the Lord for favor. I believe that we can walk in the favor of God. I am confident of that, that we can walk in the favor of God. I'm not talking about... Favor for a moment, favor for a circumstance, favor for a circ- for a situation, but I believe that we can just walk in the favor of God with His hand upon our lives. Now if we're going to walk if we're going to be blessed by God, as Brother Darrell John said many years ago. Now at camp meeting, if we're going to pray for God to bless our life, we have to live a blessable life, <laughs> and so we can't we can't live some something contrary to what we're asking. We can't ask God to to uh, fix something that's irreparable. But uh, if we just ask, the, in that sense, we just have to ask the Lord to, to bless our lives with favor, anoint us with favor, and then live a life that God can indeed bless. And so that abiding presence of the Lord, that that sense that goes before us, the spirit and the presence of the Lord, I believe that there are people that wherever they go, whatever they do, there's a sense of God's blessing upon not just them, but, but what they're involved in, the righteous things that they would be involved in. And so Jabez prayed to be one of those blessed ones, blessed ones. I want you to bless me, Lord. And so I don't think that he was just asking for stuff to ask for stuff. Much like Abraham, what a great Bible character. The Bible says in Genesis 12 and 2, the scripture says, and, and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and I will make thy name great. Now watch this. And thou shalt be a blessing. Now I, th- I think it's very, very important to-, to follow that train of logic that is in this promise. I will make of thee a great nation. I will bless thee. I will make thy name great. But there is not a period there. He said, and thou shalt be A blessing. Notice the twofold nature of that promise to Abraham in his life. The promise was that Abraham would be blessed, but he said, you are also going to be a blessing. Amen. I don't believe that God blesses us so that whatever that blessing is stagnates in our life. I believe that God blesses us so that we can bless others with whatever that may be. I know sometimes when we're talking about things like that, people just think monetarily. I'm not, I'm not speaking of that. That's certainly a part of the equation. But if God gives us a gift or a talent, then I believe that it's incumbent upon us. If God blesses us, then we need to bless others with that talent or with that ability. And so I believe that they're I'm confident. I know there are people that are gifted Sunday school teachers. Let's just use that. I'll pluck that one out of the air. That, they, they're just gifted. They, they, God has touched them. They have the ability to relate to children. They have the ability not only to take the gospel and understand it for themselves, but they have the ability to break that down and put it on the middle shelf where uh, another generation can understand that. And so God didn't give them that ability to sit on it stagnate in their heart Abraham the Lord said Abraham I'm gonna bless you and then you're going to be a blessing you're I'm gonna give you something and you're gonna give it away I am going to give you something and you're gonna let it pass through you and it's gonna move through you and so uh, I believe that God gives us things in order to flow through us into the lives of others and don't ever worry about running out because when you do it God's way, it won't, the, the meal barrel will not go dry and the oil will not stay. So don't worry about having nothing to offer. There's no such thing. Whenever God puts that in your heart, blesses you with whatever it is, whatever, whatever you think it is you're giving away, understand this, that the giver has more. And when we feel depleted of all strength, energy, ability, when we feel depleted of all of ourselves, we have to realize that there is a well much deeper than the one that we could ever dare imagine. And so we don't ever have to worry about running out when, uh, when, when we are called upon to do something. I mean, the Lord, as a matter of fact, I don't, I don't think this is a license to be unprepared, but the Lord said to his disciples, he said, don't worry about what you are going to say. Take no thought about what you're going to say. I don't, think he, I don't think he meant that in a cavalier way, but he said, I'll fill your mouth with words. I'll give you words of wisdom. I'll give you what you need for the moment. I've shared this, but it's been a long time ago, so let me, uh, it, in my mind, been a long time ago. <laughs> I may have done this last Wednesday. But uh, several years ago, um, elder brother Joe David Sizemore was talking about uh, words of wisdom and how God can just give you a word to say when you're in a situation that you're unprepared for. And he mentioned uh, a situation that happened at their church many years ago. They had a, a, a man who was a mentally unstable man that attended their church at least for a season of time. And, uh, and so it was during uh, the winter time, And so one Sunday night after church or one Wednesday night after church, they got home and this man called him at home and he said I need to meet you at the church I need to talk to you you never have time for me and I just I've got to talk to you tonight I need to meet you at the church will you meet me at the church and, uh, and Brother Sizemore agreed to meet him but just something in his spirit checked him and so he called his son who many of you know his son David uh, Sizemore and uh, he asked uh, Brother David Sizemore to meet him at the church And so they were standing in the lobby of the church. um, And when this man drove up, and when he came in, he was wearing an overcoat, but that was not unusual because it was in the wintertime in Cincinnati, Ohio. And so he said, when he got to the door, he said, I opened the door, the glass door of the foyer, and I just stuck my foot in the door. And he said, when the man walked up to me, he said, I asked him, do you have anything on you? And he said, when I asked that, that man opened his trench coat, and he was strapped with dynamite and a battery pack, and he had two wires in his hand. And he said, all I have to do is just touch these wires, and it's going to blow this place off the map. I mean, nothing, you know, you're just not prepared. If you're on the bomb squad, you might kind of be ready for something like that, you know. But generally, in a, in a pastoral sense, you don't deal with a lot of bombs, not, not of that nature You <laughs> with a lot of bombs but not of that a lot of a lot, lot of bombs dropped on me through the years but not of that and so he said with my, with my foot in the door he said I just I needed a right now word and so he called the man by name and he said now look he said if you touch those two wires together it's going to blow the whole front of this building off this church he said, now, you know what's going to happen when that happens? He said, the men, the good men of this church are going to have to come down here on a Saturday on their only day off and try to rebuild all this. (laughs) He was looking for a much more spiritual word, wasn't he? (laughs) Like he's come down here with something. And he said that the man just stood there just trembling. He said, you wouldn't want these good men of the church to come down here on saturday and have to do all that would you he said no sir he said then you need to take that all off and that man took that belt off and threw it across their parking lot and they actually did take the caps off that dynamite and to their church bus and they were live it was the real deal and so i'm telling you that god can give you what you need for the moment don't worry about being out don't worry about What am I going to do if I'm faced with this situation? Amen. God will give us what we need. Amen. I'm not even sure why I shared that story. Uh, I hope none of you are faced with that situation. But if you are, you're welcome. (laughs) So we're blessed to be a blessing. And Jabez also prayed. He said, Lord, I would ask you that you would enlarge my coast or enlarge my border. Now, of the prayer and of these four points, in my opinion, this is probably the most um, aggressive part of the prayer. Um, I don't use that word with any measure of disdain because there are times I know that, that the Bible said the kingdom of God suffereth violence. And the violent take it by force. And, I, and there are times that we're called on to be aggressive in prayer. But I, I do believe in this prayer that this was a, this was a pretty big request. I mean, we, when you read over this, you can read this in just a second. And it doesn't seem like that much. But I think, it, I think there's sufficient evidence that, that to, uh, to substantiate that God does at times give people a vision that is larger than their reality. Amen. Stay with me now. Solomon said without a vision people perish. And so if we're looking with a vision then we are most likely looking beyond where we're currently standing. And so Jabez says I want you enlarge my border. I want you to enlarge the coast. And so if we're we if we're going to look beyond then that means we're going to there's going to require some things of us. One one of my just one of the favorite passages of Scripture, especially one of my favorite Scriptures in Isaiah, is found in Isaiah 54 and 2. And I want you to look at this. I've preached about this many times through the years, but, but this is what Isaiah said. He said, I want you to enlarge the place of thy tent and let them stretch forth the curtains of thine habitations. Spare not, lengthen thy cords, and strengthen thy stakes. Just leave that scripture there for a moment if you will. This passage means so much to me because there is so much intention to what Isaiah mentions. He said that in all of the stretching, he said, I want you to stretch forth your curtains of thine habitation, spare not, and then he said, lengthen thy cords. But watch this. In all the stretching and in all of the lengthening, Isaiah also says, and strengthen thy stakes. Now this is a reference, of course, to tents and things of that nature. And this has been my prayer, certainly for the past 25 years as a pastor of this church. And that is this, Lord, Let us grow as a church. We certainly, that's part of what we want to do, not just grow spiritually, not just grow numerically, but we want to do that together. But we certainly want to grow as a church. But I don't want to lose our identity along the way. Amen. And so he said, stretch your curtains and spare not. Just give it everything you got. Lengthen your cord. Just get them as long as you want them. But he said, also strengthen Thy stake. So with your stretching of the curtains and with the lengthening of the cords, <laughs> are you with me now? Make sure somebody's back there driving those tent stakes into the soil, into the bedrock of this thing. Amen. And I believe that a church can have revival. I believe a church can grow and maintain its identity. I believe that with all of my heart. Amen. And so we don't want uh, we don't, to, we don't have to give up anything in order to be what God wants us to be in that regard. And so while we want to stretch as far as we can and do as far as we can, dear God, make sure somebody is behind this pulpit making sure that the tent stakes are in the ground. Amen, we want to go by there and check that as often as we personally can. I, I, I'm personally thankful for the people in my life that have the ability to think big. Now, I'm going to get personal here for just a moment. I'm glad for the people in my life that think big, and they help me think big. Through the years, um, I'm I'm actually doing this with permission tonight, one of the few few times. uh, My wife has helped me to think big, especially in the early years of our marriage. I remember we hadn't been married very long at all, and um, we had moved into a little uh, single-wide mobile home, and we're renting it, and it was, I have nothing wrong with it at all. We were happy as we could be, and and one day my wife came home from work, and she had read about a plan where uh, the government had a, a program for first-time home buyers, certainly for young couples, where you could buy a new home, and uh, that was just beyond my. That's kind of beyond my scope of thinking. I'm uh, probably a little too conservative, especially. Uh, she has a few more words besides conservative she uses there, but. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I just, you know, my box of where I'm thinking. This is wh- where my thought process would be. And uh, so she said, I want to look into it. I said, I go for it, you know. And so uh, and, uh, in a few days, she comes home. She has all these papers. She's, she's, she's done uh, all this research. And, and she said, it's, it's, we can do this. And, and, and before you know it, here we, we, we really were able to buy a brand new home. And it was incredible. And, and I thought, thank you. I mean, I, I don't, I'm, I'm not trying to paint myself out of slackard here by any stretch of imagination, uh, but, but uh, uh, does that make sense? I'm thankful for people that, and so through the years, she has helped me to think bigger and, and to think out of the box, and I, pre, I appreciate that. I'm not just telling her that, telling that publicly. I have said that many times and said it today. I want to hitch my wagon to people like that. Is that all right? I want to find people that have the ability to stretch my thoughts. I want to hook on to somebody like that. Not, not tomfoolery. You know that. Not, not, not just living to the wind, flying in the, by the cuff. I, I don't mean that. But I want to hitch my wagon to people that have the ability to inspire me to get outside of the box. And to think, uh, to think beyond that. I, I want to read a few scriptures right here to make a point. Joshua 17 and 17. We'll read 17 and 18. The Bible says, And Joshua spake unto the house of Joseph, even to Ephraim and to Manasseh. So this is a grandfather talking to a son and grandsons. And he said, Thou art a great people and has great power. Think about where this is coming from. This is coming from a grandfather, a father and a grandfather. He said, "I want you to huddle in around. I got something to tell you. I didn't call you to tell you what a a bag of rocks you are. I, I didn't call you up here to, to to scold you and belittle you. I want to tell you something. I want to put something in you." And he said, "You are a great people." <laughs> you, you imagine kind of looking around and wondering, who me. And pardon me, I couldn't do what I do without an imagination. But this is how I read the Bible. You can just, if you feel sorry for me, pray for me tonight. But this is how I read the Bible. I I mean, here, he's just, he's, I want to tell you something. You're a a great people and has great power. Thou shalt not have one lot only, but the mountain shall be thine. (laughs) For it is wood, and thou shalt cut it down and and the outgoings of it shall be thine. I mean, don't worry about it. It's yours. You're going to make it. Thou shalt drive out the Canaanites, though they have iron chariots, and though they be strong. Now, he didn't deny the fact that they would not face obstacles. Amen. He said that you're going to drive out the Canaanites, even though they have iron chariots, and they be strong. This is not just some fluff. I'm not trying to blow a little smoke up your nose make you feel better about yourself. I'm imparting something to you. My mind went to Romans one and eleven, where Paul said, "I'm going to impart something to you." And I think that I think that Joshua, I think here Joseph rather, uh, Joshua rather was imparting something into the lives of these men. Amen. He's saying, "I want you to get this. I want you to understand something." He said, "You're going to be a great people that and has a and have great power, and thou shalt not only have." One, one lot only, but the mountain's going to be yours, and the wood, and whatever flows out of it, it's going to be yours, and there's going to be obstacles, but you're going to prevail. Don't you get intimidated about those iron chariots, even though, don't you get intimidated about their height and their strength and their ability to battle, you're going to win. And so we never need to let it be lost to us that God gave the children of Israel the land, but they still had to rise and conquer it. You see that seed, Jericho, it's yours, and here's how you get it. He didn't say it's yours and here's the deed. He said here's, it's yours and here's the formula for taking it down. And I feel confident the same thing applied to Jabez. God, uh, Jabez, God extended his borders. But I, there, there, there's little doubt in my mind that Jabez had to work for it. Amen. Uh, God's never just laid anything in our lap, has he? That's right. It's, it's worth the, the effort. Therefore, knowing what to uh, lay before him, Jabez also requested that God's hand the third point, that God's hand would be with him. I want your hand upon my life. David said this in the 119th Psalm. He said, Lord, or he said, let thine, hand, let thine hand help me, for I have chosen thy precepts. Now think about it. The Message Bible puts it this way. Put your hand out, Lord, and steady me, because I have chosen to live by thy counsel. Amen. Let me read them both again. Let thine hand help me, for I have chosen thy precepts. Put your hand out and steady me, since I have chosen to live by your counsel. I don't think this is arrogance, but hear me. I believe that David was saying this. I have committed my ways to you. I'm asking you to commit your way to me. Amen. (laughs) What happens when God's people pray? That's what we're talking about. Hey, Lord... I bought into this thing, hook, line, sinker. I I burned the bridges when I left. And so I committed myself to your counsel. I committed myself to your way. I'm asking you, Lord, to commit yourself to my way. Moses said, I'll go, but you must go with me. Hallelujah. Amen. I love the Lord, don't you? My, my, my. I love his word. I love his word. Without the power of God's hand, Jabez knew he could never fulfill the vision that was on his heart or in his heart. And so I think it would be the testimony of every person that hears this message. Uh, I, I think everybody would agree with that, that we could never fulfill what God lays on our heart without the help of God. I would never want to attempt to do anything without the Lord empowering us. No, I, I mean that. However, when we have God's hand upon our lives, it makes all the difference in the world. Isaiah 41 and 10. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Get your eyes off your weaknesses. Get your eyes off your inabilities. Get your eyes off of all the things you can't do. And the Lord said, I am with thee. I will strengthen thee. I will help thee. I will uphold thee. (laughs) Could I just be bold and say, why are you sitting up worrying about it? Hallelujah. He said, I am going to help you. I am going to help you. God's blessing and a vision are crucial but without God's power, we need God's hand of blessing. We need God's favor. We need God to give us a vision beyond where we are, to look down the road, beyond where we are. But without God's power, we can do nothing. And I'm afraid sometimes, and I'll just say this about me, that we dream too small. Who was a character in the Bible that was told to strike the ground. He struck the ground three times in my right. I said, why'd you stop at Three. We always stop at our comfort zone, right? I feel it like getting real uncomfortable, so we'll move. But we do that because we fail to understand what God can do. I'm preaching to me. I am preaching to me tonight. Amen. Like j we shouldn't settle for anything less than what God wants to give us and bless. Uh, and so I say that personally. I say that as a church. And so if we have to wrestle for it like Jacob... Uh, We need to do whatever it takes, amen, whatever it takes. But we shouldn't settle for small dreams. Instead, we ought to pray that God would extend our border, that God would increase our influence, that God would help us to to cast a shadow. But then we can't settle for man's power. We've got to settle for God's power. And so in closing, as our musicians come, I want to wrap this all up by addressing the last aspect of, of the prayer of Jabez. Now, I think this is what we've talked about has all been important. But if we miss this point, the other three are moot. We can be blessed. He said, I'm praying for God's blessing to enlarge his border, for his hand to be upon him or to guide him. And then the fourth thing that Jabez prayed for was, God, keep me from evil. So we can be blessed, we can have vision. And we can even have the empowerment of God's hand upon our life. But we're still going to need God to protect us from the evil that is in this world. Jabez's prayer was God, when you've done all of that, please keep me from evil. Jesus taught us to pray. And in that prayer we see this same common thread. Jesus said, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. Paul, Paul in in his address to the church in Thessalonians said, abstain from the very appearance of evil. Even blessed people, hear me, Even blessed people with large visions and God's power can fall into Satan's snares. Think about King David, a man after God's own heart. Wow, what a story. What a story. Of his such humble beginnings and watch him as he climbs his way to the purpose of God and then steps out of bounds. Tragically, we have all watched this play out many times. Even David himself, through unspeakable, immeasurable brokenness, said of his predecessor, Saul, how the mighty are fallen. How the mighty are fallen. First Thessalonians 4 and 11, Paul again. And that you study to be quiet and do your own business. And to work with your own hands as we commanded you. Verse number twelve says that you may walk honestly toward them that are without. And that they may have, that and that ye may have lack of nothing. But he said we need to walk honestly toward them that are without. People need to have somebody to look to. Amen. let, Let me just live in this little pretend world. If you think that's where I am, please don't pop this bubble for me. I'm begging you. There may be plenty of crooks in Washington, but I don't think they're all crooks. I really don't. I think there are men and women that are born to lead and to lead nations. They're not all in it for the money. They're not all in it for the perks. I think some of the men and women who serve in some of the highest offices of our land, not all of them obviously, but I believe as children, they had it in their heart to serve in the capacity that they're serving and you know if we're not careful we can just lump some people into big pots melting pots and and think oh they're all that they're all this they're all that no 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 I believe somebody's walking honestly somebody's living with integrity and that's who I'm going to fix my eyes on and so church let me say this we need to be the church not just on Sunday. And not just on Wednesday. You know why? Because we need to walk honestly toward them that are without. Somebody needs to be able to look and say, you know what? There's somebody, they talk right even on Tuesday. Yeah, what about that? They dress right. They, they pay their bills. They're not trying to hook anybody, crook anybody. Somebody needs somebody to believe in. And Jabez said, Lord, don't let let me fall into the evil that is in this world. Let me walk with vision. Let me walk with blessing and enlarge my coast. But, oh, Lord, keep me from evil. Keep me from evil. And so I want to pray for God to protect me from evil. And then when he got through praying, the Lord said, I'll do it. I'll do it. Isn't that cool? Let's stand. In the book, The Prayer of Jabez, I'm really not working for this guy, by the way. (laughs) Author Bruce Wilkinson explains the reluctance of believers that the reluctance that believers have toward having a greater influence for the Lord in their world. And so he explains this, and it may be fair, not fair to not have put this on the screen. I started to do that. Maybe it would have made more sense. But let me read something to you, and I'll read it slow so that we can all get it. He explains that sometimes we're, we're reluctant to just feel like we can influence our world. And he uses two mathematical equations to kind of make a point. He said the first equation describes the reluctant believer and this is what it would sound like. My abilities plus experience plus training plus my personality and appearance plus my past plus the expectations of others equals my assigned territory. you with me now? So he said, this is what that prayer would sound like if you prayed it out. Lord, please use my abilities such as they are. Give me the experience and the training I need. Make me a better person and don't let anyone find out what I really am like or what I'm really like. Help me to be what everyone expects me to be so that I can have more influence. Let me read it again. Please use my abilities such as they are Give me the experience and training I need. Make me a better person and don't let anyone find out what I'm really like. Help me to be what everyone expects me to be so I can have more influence. Then he goes on to say this. God specializes in working through normal people who believe in a supernormal God who will do his work through them. And so he said if now we pray that prayer, It would write it out. It would say this, my willingness and weakness plus God's will and supernatural power expand my territory. (laughs) Amen. My willingness and my weakness plus God's will and his supernatural power. That's what will expand our territory. Jabez says, will you? And the Lord said, yes, I will. Amen. Isn't he great? Praise the Lord. Lord, I love you tonight. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your mercy and your word. And I pray, Lord, tonight that your spirit would challenge our hearts, help us to realize that when we kneel in prayer, it is not an exercise in futility. It really isn't, Lord. But we are praying to an almighty God. We're praying to an everlasting God. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of